please, and turn with me to number 100, Psalm number 133. Psalm 133. When Pastor Joe asked me to preach, right away I thought, you know, patriotic. And as I walked away from him that day, God spoke to me and said, Paul, I want you to do Psalm 133 about unity. Because if ever our nation needs to be united, it's now. There's so many divisions. And so, reading Psalm 103, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. I ask you to read the prayer that's projected. Can you pray it to God? May the Lord be glorified. Come on. May his church be edified. May the devil be terrified by the word of the Lord. I love the United States of America, the land where we love, where we live. And this weekend we celebrate the 4th of July, the signing of the Declaration of Independence, which let the King of England know that we are an independent state. And I want to focus today on our nation's first name, United States of America, okay? Our first name is United. I'll tell you more about that as we go along. But another thought that we are united with Christ as Christians, that we're united with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and as Christians, unity means that despite differences of opinion and style, we can all come together at the foot of the cross. United means joined together for a common purpose. And although we may not agree on everything, we have our own opinions. We can agree that Jesus is our great Savior and our Lord. And we may look different. We may act different. But God has called us to be united together in this great nation and as this great church. Unity is important to an ongoing relationships and health. Now the psalm, which speaks about Christian unity, has in its heading, do you see in your Bible, it says Psalm 133. And then it says, a song of ascents. Now those of you who carry the old King James, it says what? 
a psalm of degrees. What does that mean? And it is written by David, King David. The next slide, please. Some think that this psalm was written and they sang it as they ascended the steps to the temple. But it could also mean that, next slide, as they were walking to Jerusalem, climbing the hill from Jericho. And those of you who've been there, you picture it. Climbing the hill, and, and, and they remember what it was like back home. The dust, the beautiful Mount Hermon in the north. And they sang these psalms. Notice the songs of de psalms of decree or ascents. They're all short. Beginning with uh, 120, Psalm 120, going through 134. They're all real short. They were like our choruses today. Because they could memorize the words. And as they would walk along, they'd be singing as they went. Can you just hear it? As these uh, pilgrims, Christians, uh, back then they were Jewish. And... Uh, Imagine a Jewish man and his wife and kids. They had just been to Jerusalem to celebrate the Day of Atonement. And perhaps they had seen the ordination of the great high priest. And how they poured the oil, the anointing oil, on the head of the high priest. Symbolic of the Holy Spirit ministering through that man as he served his country and his uh, his, the, the believers. And as they got closer home, in the distance, they saw the Hermon Mountains. And they, they walk the road. And they remember that fresh dew in the morning. They've enjoyed being with their friends. And they sing how good, how pleasant it is when God's people live together. When brethren live together in unity. What does all this mean? I want you to see pictures of unity, what it looks like as it's displayed in Psalm 133. First of all, picture several types of unity. Now, when verse 1 says, how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity, it's not talking about the cult group. It's known as unity or Unitarian Church, okay? Because that group denies that men are all sinners. That group denies uh, that Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. It believes that in the reincarnation of the soul, the, the cult group unity, it believes that every man is already perfect and all they have to do is recognize the fact. Well, friends, I'm not perfect and you know it. <laughs> I have my goofs. 
And so let's look at what the Bible really means when it says how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Go back to the previous slide. Yeah, there. Stay there, Sarah. Don't advance till I tell you then. Okay. It means, among other things, that there is unity within the family. How good it is when families get together. It grieves my heart when families argue and fight. But when families enjoy being together, our family, every other year, we can't afford it every year, but every other year, we, we rent a place and, and we go as a family. And it's just great to be together with my kids and grandkids. It's just fun. And you know what it's like, I'm sure. But also implies they're friends. How important to have unity among friends. King David had a very special friend. His name was Jonathan. And he writes in uh, for Samuel chapter 1, Your love for me was wonderful. And you know the unity, the oneness when you have a close friend. A couple weeks, two and a half weeks, Connie and I go to Mahaffey Camp. And I get to see my friends. Not that you're not my friends, you are. But I get to see other friends that I only see once a year. And it's just great to be together. Yeah, friendships. But this also implies national unity. How important that is. Patrick Henry wrote it this way. United we stand, divided we fall. But he didn't originate that, those words. For they're found in the very words of our Lord Jesus Christ. For instance, in Mark chapter 3, God, Jesus said, If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that home cannot stand. Satan in his efforts today to try to divide our nation. And there's strength and power when we work together as a nation. Unity also speaks about the church, our church. If we intend to break down the strongholds of, of this community, if we intend to break down Satan's strongholds around the world, we must be united in mission. The Christian and Missionary Alliance has hundreds of international workers, we call them now. We used to call them missionaries. Going, reaching people with the message of the gospel. Our united efforts, so important as we work together. It was 40 years ago, this summer, we launched into building 
this building. And while we were building this, the contractor is building the church building. We church people were building the parsonage. How many helped with that parsonage? Come on, Harry, put your hand out. Yeah, lots of people. We had a great time. It was hip. But could we have done it individually? No. We did it as we worked together. What a happy time we had as we sang and worked and prayed. But spiritual unity is vital. Men, women, united with God. Prayer is uniting with God. And some who've come from other church backgrounds are not accustomed to the strong emphasis on prayer that we have here at LifePoint Alliance Church. The old Alliance slogan, you don't hear it much anymore, storm the gates of hell. Do you remember those? As we took our stand in prayer and trusting God to deliver. Jesus said it this way, again I tell you, that if two of you on earth agree, that's unity, agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven, where two or three come together in my name. There I am with them. And so unity is so vitally important with Jesus. And the writer of Proverbs says, there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and his name is Jesus. Looking on, let's see there, the ways that Satan tries to destroy unity. And there are many ways that Satan tries to get his foothold to destroy the unity of the church and families and neighborhoods and nations. Criticism is a destroyer of unity. In our society, it seems people want to blame somebody else. And fault finding. Friends, we all have faults if you haven't figured that out. Me included. And criticism focuses on those faults instead of on Jesus. Criticism is most often rooted in inferior feelings about oneself. Romans chapter 2 verse 1. You who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Undisciplined life destroys friendships. It takes discipline to go and speak to a friend when he's hurt you. It takes discipline to take time to be with your friend. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 says, a man that has friends 
must show himself friendly. If you don't work on friendships, you won't have them. You can't be lazy about this. In the church, it takes discipline to get out of bed and come here on Sunday morning to be with your friends. You can hear the message on the computer, and I'm thankful that we have the computer at a time like this. But it's not the same as when we come together as believers in Christ and enjoy that fellowship and that sense of unity where you know your brothers and sisters in Christ. You pray for them and with them and they can trust you. That's so important. In LifePoint Alliance Church, we've got to work at this or we'll lose this precious gem that we call unity. Selfish attitudes of pride. Look at me. How wonderful I am. Don't you think I'm preaching pretty well, Dixie? That attitude will destroy us. And it's Satan that comes in and cripples with pride. Every one of us. who have been offended. Have, we have, there are people who have hurt us, done us wrong, but forgiveness says I'm going to lay aside those selfish attitudes. And although I remember the hurt, I won't hold that against my individual friend. Unity. It takes laying aside pride. Focusing on differences of opinion. We all have differences of opinion. I have a wonderful wife. I think all of you agree. She puts up with an awful lot. She does. But friends, we have differences of opinion sometimes. Unity doesn't mean that you have to agree on everything. But you can kind of agree to disagree. Do you know what I mean? I have a, a wonderful sister who pastors a Pentecostal church in New York. I love her. She loves me. And there are some things we just agree to disagree about. And we get along just fine. I haven't found anybody on earth that I can agree, agree with on everything. Somebody said it this way, St. Augustine, I believe it was. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Conflict is not you between people. It's within people. Chew on that for a while.
One that's not on your note sheet, you'll have to write it in, fear. And I just became this, aware of this. Um, on Wednesdays, I try to go to Franklin Park to help Jeff down there and, and Nick Edinger and all that. We, we just have a great time. And so this past Wednesday, I threw my kayak in the back of my van and I went after I went to Franklin Park and I went to the hospital to visit Rich Widmar. Then I went over to, to paddle around on North Park Lake. Anyway, so I get my kayak down and I carry it down to the water and uh, I'm ready to go and I realize, oh, where is my cell phone? I'm forever looking at my cell phone. Uh, you probably are too. Anyway, so I, I go up to the car, to the van, to see if my cell phone's there, and see if there's any messages that I forgot to look at. And as I did so, somebody was parked right beside me, a woman, a mother, and her 13-year-old son. Her name was Amanda. His name was Tommy. Anyway, and she has a pink kayak, and he has a bright yellow one. And so they get their kayaks out of the car and their van, and they have them sitting there. When all of a sudden, Amanda sees a snake inside her kayak. Oh, my. You thought the world was going to come to an end. She's running around like a crazy woman. I mean, literally. I invited her to church, by the way. <laughs> anyway, and... Well, the poor snake scared to death. <laughs> so me and T Tommy united our efforts, and we got that snake out of the kayak, and the thing went slithering away under the cars and everything. But how fear just destroyed the whole picture of unity in that family. Yeah. People are scared today, and it will destroy that sense of unity. Let's go on. Picture with me several symbols, biblical symbols of unity. What does it say here? How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. That's the new, new international, newest inter, new international. But the Hebrew is masculine. And your King James Version, and also the New American Standard Bible and the old Internet, New International Version, says how good, how pleasant it is when brethren, brothers, dwell together in unity. How does a person become a brother or a sister in Christ? By being born into the family. By being born again. Yeah. And so, you got to be born again into God's family. Have you been born again? Here, what a picture. This uh, army gal and army guy praying together. United in heart. What a beautiful picture of unity. Unity is like precious anointing oil. Look at verse 2 in your Bibles. 
It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. The anointing oil that was used in Old Testament times is explained to us in Exodus chapter 30. It's a combination of different spices from the, from the Far East. Myrrh, cinnamon, calamus, cassia, and they're all combined in about four quarts, about a gallon, of olive oil. This is a sacred anointing oil poured on the head of the high priest, a symbol of the Holy Spirit working in and through that man. Think about the work and time it took to collect all these spices and the expense. Unity requires time and expense. But most of all, it's the coming together of different fragrances. That's the way our church is. We're all different. But as we come together in the power of the Holy Spirit, there's power and victory and unity, a oneness, which is so vitally important in the church, but also in our nation. Unity for a church is costly. It doesn't just happen. Unity costs time, energy, expense, money, and laying aside some feelings to trust God. Another symbolism where two things come together. The dew on Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is the far north of Israel, and most years it's snow-capped year-round. It's so high in elevation. They ski there in the middle of the summertime. It's a fun place. Anyway, but what brings the dew? What causes dew on your roses? It's when the rose is warm from the sun all day and the fresh, cool breeze in the evening comes in. And the warm with the cold releases the dew. It's a picture of unity. How we're different, the warm, the cold, but when we come together, it's a picture of unity, that we get along. And it's God that does it in us and through us. It's a miracle where two different ways come together. Go on to the next slide. Isn't that what Calvary is? Notice verse 3. It says, may the Lord bless you from Zion, no, verse 3, as it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. 
Mount Zion's Jerusalem, where Jesus died on the cross. And isn't the Calvary where two different ways come together? My sinful way, and I get rid of the sin, and the righteous way. What a beautiful picture of unity to come to the cross, to lay it before him, to realize that Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. And the warm breezes of God's Spirit touches men's cold hearts and brings beauty. Dew on that rose sparkles, shines in the morning. Oh, so let us sparkle in our friendships. Picture with me next the blessings which come with unity. The many blessings. Verse 3. Notice it says, the end of the verse, for there, in unity, the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. When unity is present, then the Lord sends the blessing. Notice who brings the blessing? It's God, the Lord. Not our efforts, but God. He gives, he commands the blessings. Now another thought, and you have to look deeply there. Your New International Version says, there the Lord bestows his blessings. The word in the Hebrew language is a stronger word. It means to command. And the old King James Version, it says he commands his blessing, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And so his blessing is a gift from God. How wonderful that he commands. And he says to these angels, go and pour out a blessing on Tina, on Margie, on, yeah, how he commands his blessing for us. And notice, it's good, verse 1 says, how good means, it's a word which means valuable. How valuable when people can get along so well together. And how pleasant, how enjoyable how enjoyable. It's just so meaningful. But most important, even life forevermore. Just to think. These loved ones that have just passed, Joe Lindsay, they were going to be with him. Augie Bell. Bernice Kelly, these ones that have just recently passed, to be together for all eternity. So you better get along with your neighbor here because you're going to have to spend all eternity with them. <laughs> how good, how blessed. When there's unity in the church, 
people get saved. God commands the blessing. When there's unity in the family, as God has promised to command his blessing, hallelujah, and he will. And God wants to command the blessing on you today. He wants you to experience the blessings of God. But it's conditional. There's got to be unity. Friends living together in unity. Families, husbands and wives. That oneness. Church family experiencing unity and our nation experiencing unity. Earlier I told you about the Declaration of Independence, how that on the 4th of July, the Declaration of Independence was signed, indicating that we are independent of British rule. But we didn't become United States of America until September 9th in 1776, when we were declared the United States of America. Our first name is United. And friends, we need to pray for unity in our nation. We need to pray for unity in our church. We need to pray for Unity in families, husbands and wives. So often, husbands and wives, yeah, they were married a long time ago, but as time goes on, they're really, we have a term in marriage encounter, married singles. He does what he wants, she does what he, she wants, and they're not united. How good it is to be united together and how God wants to help us, to sanctify us, to enable us so that we can say united we stand. There's a song in the songbook that we don't sing very often. If I find my songbook, Margie, you want to come? And uh, maybe you would like to come and pray. You're welcome to come as we uh, sing number 334.